Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Thank you for being here to Bethesda and so having part of your Christmas with us this morning. I am Pastor Jonathan. I'm senior pastor here. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to John 17 this morning, John 17. We started a series a few weeks back called um, The Glory of Christmas. And this morning I want to continue that. You know, um, as a little children um, and even in our, up into our adult life, as, we've, um, t- as I mentioned to you last week, we do like um, writing Christmas lists. So as a child, we would maybe write a, a, a gift list or a wish list to Santa. Um, or as an adult, we may write a wish list to our family members. Um, and it happens here, but it happens all over the world. There are people who are uh, making lists throughout these last few weeks, um, listing different things that they desire. In Kharkiv, Ukraine, uh, it um, is happening. Um, Kharkiv, Ukraine is the second largest city in Ukraine. This year, um, there's no Christmas light, um, no Christmas trees or, or light shows. There's no pop-up skating rings this year because of the war. Um, the city council of Kharkiv decided to put all their kind of Christmas village underground in the subway station um, that doubles as a, as a bomb shelter uh, because of the, the missiles from Russia that continue to hit that area. On the subway platform, there is a mailbox, a little mailbox where children can drop off letters, letters to Grandfather Frost, um, which is what they call Santa Claus. In the spring, and I think we may have some pictures in the spring. This is a picture of the spring of how that subway station was used as a bomb shelter and and families were living in that um, subway. And now I think you have the next picture, the picture uh, maybe before is there's the little box, mailbox, where children can come in that same subway station and drop off letters to, to Grandfather Frost. A little boy there, his name was, his, he's nine years old, I can't pronounce his name, but he talked about the time that he remembered living in that subway station. And now he goes to drop off his letter to Grandfather Frost. He says um, in his wish list, he asked for two things. They asked him what he asked for. He said two things he asked for for Grandfather Frost. A PlayStation 5 in peace. It's another little girl. Her name's, she's five years old. Her name's Eva. She says that everyone asked for peace. She said she asked this year for a, for a camera or a phone to take photos. You see, the Russian troops forced them out of their homes in the Kharkiv region. And when they returned to their home later on, their house was destroyed. And now the little Eva wishes she had a phone that she would have taken more pictures of her home so she wouldn't have forgotten what it looked like. You know, we all write these Christmas lists. We all make lists like the little boy who asked for the PS5 in peace or the little Eva who's asking for her phone to take pictures of her home. 
or whether they're on our list, it may be uh, new drill or perfume or jewelry. We all ask for these things, and when we ask, it really does reveal what we what is our heart's desire, and whether there it is some type of material gift like a PS5, or whether it is something more substantial like peace. We really want to find those, find happiness, or find those things. Well, this morning, as we come to John 17, we see that. Jesus also is requesting things that he desires. And, and here he's not writing a list to Santa or, or Father Frost. He actually is praying a prayer to his Father in heaven. And in this prayer, we see that Jesus shows what he desires. Last week, we started this series and we looked at how the glory that Jesus prayed for. We looked at how Jesus prayed for the glory of God. And we talked about what that meant, the glory of God. Well, this morning, I want you to see what Jesus prays, what Jesus desires this morning from God the Father as he prays to him. He prays for the glory of eternal life. So this morning, I want us to read through John 17, 1 through 5, and, and understand what does, this, what does Christ mean when he prays for the glory of eternal life, or he prays for eternal life. So let's stand and read together. And then we'll dive through this text together. John 17, starting in verse 1, and we'll read through verse 5. And when Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted his eyes to heaven, and he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you. Since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to, to whom you have given him. And this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ in whom you have sent. I have glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you, Lord, for this morning. And, Lord, our hearts are heavy for the people of Ukraine today. We think of all the things that we um, enjoy today, a good meal, a warm church, a warm home, wonderful gifts, and there's so many people in Ukraine and all through our world are not sharing those same things today. God, so God, we thank you for the blessings that you have given us, but Lord, we pray for those who are suffering today. Lord, may we pray for peace for Ukraine, we pray peace for our world for our globe, Lord, we ask, Lord, that you would, you, the Prince of Peace, would bring peace on earth. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for today, and we pray today as we look through this text together, and we understand that, see, Lord, how you prayed. We ask, Lord, that you would speak to us, Lord Father, today as we look through this, this passage. Lord, may you open up our minds and our hearts to you. Lord, may your Holy Spirit speak through me, Lord, directly to the hearts of your people today. And Lord, as you speak, Lord, I pray we would be faithful to respond, Lord, to you and how you lead us today. Lord, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for a chance on a Christmas morning to be with you today. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So the glory of eternal life, that's what Jesus prays for. You see in this verse, 
In verse 1, he says, the Father, the, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you. And this is a verse we looked at last week. And look how Jesus continues. Since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all in whom you have given. And this is eternal life. And so he prays for the glory of eternal life. And, and as we walk through this passage of Scripture, I just want you to understand a few things in these few verses that Jesus is explaining. One the eternal life is a gift. It's a gift that's God-given. As you look at verse um, 2, you see that he says, Since you have given him authority over all flesh. The him there, that pronoun there, is, is referring to Jesus. He's talking to God the Father. Again, this is, as I mentioned to you last week, this is one of the very few times you, you see Jesus pray verbally. Um, we see him pray all through Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, and, but most of the time we see him getting away and praying quietly, praying to himself. We only see two times where Jesus prays aloud, and this is one of those. One is the Lord's Prayer, and he's, he teaches his disciples how to pray, and this is the second one, and this is one that he's praying to the Father. And as I said to you last week, Jesus has left the Passover meal, having the Last Supper with his disciples. We believe that this is a prayer that he prayed um, somewhere between after that last meal and to the Garden of Gethsemane. And so some of you would say that Jesus would pray in this prayer as he crossed over the Kildron Valley. And by the way, this was Passover, so they had been sacrificing lambs all up to Passover. And so the, um, the blood of those lambs would have flowed into the Kildron Valley. And so as he was crossing over the Kildron Valley, it's believed that the, the, um, the, the water there, the Kildron Valley, would have been um, the color of blood. And so he's crossing over that, and he says, Lord, my time has come. He knows he's about to be the lamb that's going to be offered for the sins of the people. He says, the hour has come, Father. And then as he's praying that, he's, he's, he's literally heading to the cross. He says, Lord, glorify the Son that the Son may glorify you. And then he says, since you have um, given him authority. There's this imagery that Jesus is saying, Father, you have given me certain things. And, and this is actually, this prayer starts in John 17 and goes all the way throughout the chapter. And throughout this entire chapter, um, the passage, Jesus prays and talks about different things the Father has given him. Now, this morning, you uh, maybe have already opened up gifts from your family, and you got gifts. And you, when you got a gift, one thing that even I did today when I opened up one of my gifts is I looked at the bag or looked at the... Um, the box, and I looked at who the gift came from, right? Well, in this passage, Jesus is listing through this prayer different things that the Heavenly Father had given him. He says um, in verse 2, God the Father had given him authority. This was a gift. It's, this is the imagery of that Greek word give there is the imagery of giving something like a gift. He, he gave him the gift of authority. He gave him the gift of disciples, he gave him the gift of all things in verse 7. He gave him the gift of the words, he says, in verse 8. He gave him the gift of the name in verse 11 and 12 of this chapter. And he gave him the gift of glory in verses 22 and 24. God had given Jesus many, many gifts. And one of the gifts that God given, uh, gave Jesus is authority, power. 
And so we see that in this verse. He says, since you have given him authority. What did he give him? Um, what was this gift of authority? This is a gift of authority that was over all flesh. This is um, God the Father had given Jesus the gift of authority and control over all things. And, and more um, specific is this idea that he gave him um, the gift of authority over all life. Jesus has power over all life. Um, he, he declares in this prayer. But not only how did he receive this authority to have power over all human life from birth um, all the way up to all ages, Jesus has authority over all life. How did he receive this authority? Well, I believe as you go to verse 1, he says, again, he's praying, he's walking through the Kildron Valley. He's praying on his way to the cross. And he says, the hour has come. Jesus knew that he came on Christmas morning in, that, in Bethlehem as a baby. And even and when he went to the synagogue as a little boy, he says, I must be about what my father's business. He knew from a baby to a, a, a young man through all his life that God sent him for a purpose he gave him a purpose that he might be the sinless sacrifice. He might be the lamb that would be sacrificed for our sins. Jesus says in this prayer, my hour's come. It's time for the cross. And Jesus understood in this verse, um, verse 1, the Father, the hour's come. Glorify your son. And he understood the greatest way that he would bring glory to the Father was through his life his death, his resurrection, and his ascension. And so Jesus understood that the glory of the cross, the glory of the death, the glory of his resurrection, the glory of his ascension would be the glory that gave him authority over life. You see, if you come and you live as from, um, been sent from heaven and you uh, fully God and become a man, and you live a sinless life, and you die just as we die, and you defeat death and um, raise again, and then you ascend to heaven, you have authority over all life and death. Jesus says, you have given me this. This is authority that you have granted me. Now, I want you to understand that because he had this authority, this a power over all Life, Jesus says in verse 2, since you have given me authority over, flaw, um, over all flesh, because I have defeated um, life, death, and I rose again, now, God, you've given me the ability to give eternal life. Look at the verse here. Since you have given him authority over, over all flesh to give eternal life, and that's the next aspect of the glory of eternal life. One, um, it is a gift, but it is a gift of eternal life. This is just not just some ordinary gift. Jesus received a gift of authority. Jesus gives the gift of eternal life. What is this a gift? This is a gift to believers. You look at verse 2. He says, since you have given him authority over, uh, to, uh, over all flesh to give eternal life to all in whom you have given him. We understand John um, 3.16, but what does John 3.16 says? 
before that, verse 15, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him should not have per- um, should not perish, but what? Have what? Have eternal life. John 3, um, 35 and 36, the father loves the son and has given all things into his hand. And whoever believes in the son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the son has not seen life, but the wrath of God remains for him. We see the imagery that Jesus gives eternal life. The father gives him authority over all life. And Jesus takes that authority, that power over all life, and therefore he gives eternal life to others, to believers. I love that verse um, 3 shows us here, since you have given him all, uh, all authority over all flesh to give eternal life to whom you have given him. It gives this imagery that Um, God the Father gave Jesus authority over all life through his life, death, and resurrection and ascension. Jesus then takes that authority, and because of the power of the cross, he gives eternal life to believers. But he adds to the very end of verse 3, look at what it says here, to whom all you have given him. We see all through John, if you've been reading our Bible reading plan, we've been reading through the book of John we see this imagery that um, God is um, sovereign over salvation. He is the one who gives salvation. Salvation is a God thing, not a man thing. And we see that in John 6, 37. All the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, will I will never cast out. Verse 39, as I read last night, and this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose nothing of all that he has given me, but, uh, but will raise it up on the last day. And this is the will of the Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. So we see this imagery that the Father gives salvation the father gives salvation and it's through christ that that salvation is given and the father is the one who draws them to the son so there's this imagery of the father who is um who is the one who's um leading in salvation he draws us and um we know that that passes no one comes to the father um, except in he who he draws so we understand that god is the one um who who has salvation in his hand, and and he gives that. I think this is a powerful imagery. Um, You know, this morning or maybe the next few days that you're going to, you probably have one gift that you just really, it just, that was, you got a lot of great gifts, but one that you really just, you really, really love, right? And you, like, I mean, all the great gifts are good, but there's one that you're just really proud of. And so when you see your family members in the next few days, or even go, you go back to work in the next few days, and, and your coworker says to you, well, what did you get for Christmas? You're probably going to bring up the one that you're really the most proud of. Man, I really got this nice whatever it may be for you. And, and um, you, you'll want to brag about it. You want to maybe boast about it. You just really, just really love this gift. You're really proud of that. In 1 Thessalonians 2, 19, Paul talks about boasting about something. And Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 2, 19, for what is our hope or our joy or our crown of boasting before the Lord? Paul says, if I'm... If when the Lord comes back 
And I really want to tell the Lord of some things in my life that I really was just really proud of. You know what Paul says he would declare to the Lord what he really was proud of? He says, for what is our hope, our joy, our crown of boasting before the Lord Jesus Christ that is coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and our joy. You know what it's talking about there? Paul is saying the salvation of believers in the church is what he will boast before the Lord when the Lord comes. It's how your life was changed. That is my glory. Listen to me today. That same imagery of Paul saying, it is the souls of believers that is my glory, is the same imagery that Jesus is saying when he prays and he's walking over the Kildron Valley. He's headed to the cross in just a little bit. He's going to the Garden of Semini and the wrath of God and the, the understanding that that's coming. He's literally going to sweat blood. But as he's headed to that and as he's praying, he's saying, oh, Father, You've given me many great gifts. You've given me authority. But God, you've given me souls. And the souls of people that you give me, Father, those souls are a gift, God, that you've given me. And God, you allow me to give them eternal life. Can I tell you today, one of the greatest imagery of this passage of Scripture is Jesus declaring that your salvation, if you've received Jesus Christ today, is a gift to Jesus from the Father, your soul. You are his glory. What you see in this passage, not only is it a gift from the Father, but it is this gift of eternal life. What is this gift that Jesus describes? Well, um, Jesus even says that in his prayer. He says in verse Two, he says, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give him eternal life to all who have given him, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, Jesus Christ, in whom I have sit. He, he uses this word, this is eternal life. So what does this mean, this eternal life? This eternal life imagery is found 36 times in the Gospel of John. In the Gospel of John, this is a major theme throughout his entire Gospel. It, it really is correlated with Jesus' signs that Jesus did, his miraculous signs that Jesus had done. And the purpose of those miracles was the Gospel. That people would um, believe in Jesus and be saved. So this is the theme that's just repeated throughout the Gospel of John. In a commentary written about John, uh, the writer would say, the nature of eternal life as it is experienced by humans is defined in John 17, 3. Now this is eternal life that they may know the only true God, Jesus Christ, in whom you have sent. He says here, eternal life is knowing God. But as in the Old Testament, this knowledge is not simply knowing information about God. It's having a relationship with him involving response, obedience, and fellowship. So as you look to this passage of scripture, Jesus says the salvation, eternal life is a gift, God, that you've given um, these to me. But then in verse 3, he says, and this is eternal life. He defines it in his prayer. 
And this is eternal life is one to know. Um, to know. You know, um, I told you last night um, that one thing that I love about Christmas is I love the gifts, but I love the goodies. And I tell you, one of my favorite goodies at Christmas is old faithful little Debbie Christmas trees. Man, I love these things. And I don't know about you, but I know some things about little Debbies. I've been eating these things as I was a little kid. But you know, in one of these little little Debbie cakes, there's 220 calories. Yep, I read the box. 220 calories in this one little cake. There's 32 grams of carbs, 33 grams of sugar, one gram of protein. I don't know how that's happening. And I say one gram of a little heaven in this little cake. That's just what I believe. And I know, these are good, and, um, and I don't know about you, and I, but I know as, as good as they are, they're not good for me because according to the nutritional facts on the back, back, uh, back of the box. But it's Christmas time, and I don't know about you, but I can, I'm kind of like a hunting dog when it comes to Christmas time. I can go to Walmart, and I don't care where Walmart's hiding them or Harris Teeter. My nose will sniff those boogers out, buddy, and I'm going to find these things, and a box of these things are going to come home with me. And I'm going to eat them. I, don't, I know what the nutritional facts say about it, but I'm going to find me one and I'm going to eat. I'm probably going to eat the whole box, just to be honest. So even though I have the knowledge, I know it's not good for me, I will continue to eat them, right? Now imagine if I go to the doctor next week and um, after eating all um, the Christmas cakes and the chocolate um, peanut butter balls and um, the peppermint bark and you name it, peanut brittle I've been eating. Did the doctor come in and he checks my blood sugar and he says, you got diabetes. You know? Now, if he said that next week, now the knowledge of me knowing that I have an illness may would change me. So you know what? As much as I love the Christmas trees and the chocolate butter peanut balls and the peanut brittle or the peppermint bark, some things in my life have got to change. And so I may change some of my eating habits. Why? Because I now have knowledge that something else is going wrong in me, right? And that knowledge will lead me to change. As whereas before, even though I knew the things were not good for me, it didn't change my, what, my life. In this passage of Scripture, that is really imagery of here, this passage. It, Jesus is saying in this prayer that eternal life is not just mere knowledge, it's not just merely knowing about God or that he was a creator that created the earth in seven days or and the stories about Adam and Eve and the things about the Old Testament. It's not just merely knowing that Jesus was born in a manger and that he was born to Mary and Joseph and that he died on the cross. It's not merely just head knowledge. It's knowledge that changes you. It's knowledge that not only changes you, it's a knowledge that where you say, you know what, I want a relationship with that God. I want a relationship with that Jesus. And by knowing that Jesus or knowing that God more intimately, then that relationship will change the way I live my life. It will change me. That this, this is when Jesus prays, and this is eternal life, that they know you. That's the imagery here. It's not just intellectual thinking knowledge it is a knowledge that transforms i love the imagery here he says it's not only that you just you would have a knowledge that would transform a relationship that would transform but i love in this prayer that jesus says 
And this is eternal life that they know the only true God. You know, today, Jesus prayed that not only that you would know him, that you would know God the Father. You would know that he's the only true God. That you would know the God of the Old Testament, the God of creation. That you would know him. I, I ask you today, do you know him? When Jesus was headed to the cross, he was praying for you. He was praying that you, the Father, would give you as a gift of eternal life. He was praying that you would know God, that you would know Jesus, and that you would have eternal life. So as we close today, what does Christ desire? He desires for you to have eternal life. He desires for you to be with him in eternity. He desires for you to know him. He desires for you to know the Father. He desires, listen, to transform you. He desires that you would have eternal life and that eternal life would be the gift of glory to him from the Father. Maybe today, if you've never received Jesus Christ today, today you would receive eternal life. Today the Father would give you to the Son. And the Son would give you eternal life. And today a change would happen in you that one day would not only impact you today, but would impact your life for all eternity. You know, as we close today, it's reality. It's not a reality we want to really talk about sometimes on Christmas. But the reality is in Hebrews 9, it says, Just as it appointed man to die once and after comes a judgment, it is appointed that we will all die and we all have to determine what we're going to do with eternity. This morning, there was a man in our church, and I'm pleased to say that he had made the decision for the Lord he had believed in Jesus he knew Jesus he knew the Lord and that Lord changed him and Jesus had given him eternal life and on Christmas morning today Mr. Gene Floyd God completed the gift of salvation in him today Mr. Gene Floyd passed away but can you imagine on Christmas morning God giving you the gift complete. What God started on many years ago, today God completed the gift. And today, Mr. Gene received eternal life forevermore. I love that John 6, Jesus says, This is the will of the Father that everyone who looks onto the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life. And I will raise Him up on the last day. It's the will of the Father that Gene Floyd receive Jesus, that he would believe in Jesus and have eternal life. And today, God raised Him up on His last day.
I pray today you'll receive Jesus. I pray today you'll believe in him. You'll say, Lord, I want to know you, and I want that to change me, transform me. And God, I pray that one day you'll raise me up on my last day. You pray with me. Father, I thank you, Lord, for this morning. I thank you for the time you give us to be in worship with you today. Lord, we thank you that, um, that eternal life is a gift, God. And God, today you are drawing some to you. And Lord, I pray that through your Holy Spirit as you draw men and women, boys and girls, maybe to you today, I pray there'd be those today that would believe in you, Jesus. And Lord, that belief and Lord, the work of your Holy Spirit would change, Lord, people today. And you'd begin the work of your salvation in their lives today. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for your word. Lead us in this time of invitation, I pray. I thank you, Lord, for this morning. Lord, I pray as we come to this time of invitation, if those need to come to this altar and pray, I'd love, I pray that they would do that. I pray um, if some um, would like for me to pray with them or lead them and how they could put their faith in you for salvation, I pray that they would come. But Lord, however you lead us today, I pray we will respond. In your name we pray. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.